So Money is brought to you by CNET, the site that shows how to navigate change all around us. So Money episode 1435, how real estate investing can be a respite for women with guest Andresa Gadelli, co-founder and CEO of the Real Estate Invest Her. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Real estate, I believe that it's, it's more tangible. And I do think that you can mitigate the risk by really understanding the market, really understanding the asset and who you're serving. That's the bottom line. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm Farnoosh Tarabi. We've covered real estate investing many times on this show, but now we're going to talk about it through the prism of womanhood. Our guest is Andresa Goodelli. She is co-founder and CEO of the Real Estate Invest Her community, a platform to empower women to live a financially free and balanced life on their own terms through real estate investing. Andresa didn't plan to go into real estate herself when she moved to the U.S. from Brazil. While studying and working, her boss introduced her to the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad and encouraged her to consider investing in properties. And boy, did she. She built a big portfolio of properties, but the journey has not been easy for Andresa. After a toxic marriage, she realized the importance of financial independence for women. So she and business partner Liz Faircloth launched the Real Estate Investor, which supports women real estate investors to strive in a field traditionally dominated by men. They have 17,000 members, over 50 meetup groups, an 11,000 member Facebook group, a podcast, Andresa and I talk about how to get unstuck, whether investing in real estate right now is a smart idea, and the ethics of rent. What is your ethical responsibility as a landlord when it comes to charging rent? Here's Andresa Gadelli. Andresa Gadelli, welcome to So Money. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. It, oh, the pleasure is all mine. I remember reading about you and your company. It, it was the summer in the New York Times. And the New York Times did a story called Investing in Real Estate as Self-Care. Many women seeking independence after a breakup or divorce have discovered emotional empowerment and even healing in real estate investment. Not not something we've, we don't connect those dots. No. We don't think of real estate as soulful or healing. We, we see the money in it potentially and, and mm-hmm. we, see that we like the makeovers, but um, there, is, there is more to it. And in particular, the way that you and your co-founder of your company have approached real estate is to be sort of a, a way to find respite in a moment in your life, maybe where you feel out of control and lacking financial independence. So mm-hmm. would love to turn the mic over to you to talk a little bit about InvestHer and how your approach to real estate investing um, with your community of women is different and unique. I, I come from a, a migrant family from, from Brazil. I migrated here for my master's degree. And I although I have two master's degree, I considered myself looking back financially illiterate when I get started. And then when I went through through my divorce, it was a really wake up call that together we were financially independent because we were both real estate investors. 
However, me as an individual, as a woman, I was financially dependent. And it was like a breaking point. I lost my identity. So I think that with uh, the pandemic, a lot of women going through divorce or not had that time, that space to rethink who are they? If we put aside their titles, what they do inside the house, who are they? And they started looking at real estate and started looking at other women, what they are were able to accomplish as a way to find themselves back. My partner, Liz Faircloth, she had a different experience. She was investing with her husband for over 15 years. And although they have a good, good marriage, she also lost her identity. She was just the plus one in many of the occasions. So it was a, a, another wake-up call into, okay, where do women like us mm-hmm. go to support one another? How do we gain the knowledge? How do we gain the confidence to start investing in real estate? And the worst thing that we can all do, we all masters in that is try to figure out by them by ourselves. So that's why real estate, why, why real estate? You know, there's a lot of ways to invest. There's a lot of ways to build wealth, real estate. Uh, while I, I love it, uh, it there it's risky and it's not always a guarantee. Obviously we know Mm -hmm. that, but, but why did you gravitate towards real estate and why do you find so many women in your community? Now I think you've got something like 56 chapters, a 12,000 plus member Facebook page. Mm-hmm. This is based on the summer numbers. I'm sure it's grown since the New York Times article. Uh, but tell us what is the draw? What is the pull to real estate sure. about? So when I came across the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, at the same, a couple of years ago, I asked myself the same question. Why real estate? And why didn't I know about this in any way, shape, or form? Although I, I have two, two master's degree and have taken financial classes, never was thought about investing. So I had no knowledge that somebody could build a portfolio, retire early by having rentals and diversify the portfolio, as you were saying, have a diversification. I knew about stocks and that was pretty much it, right? Um, so real estate, I believe that it's it's more tangible. And I do think that you can mitigate the risk by really understanding the market, really understanding the asset and who you're serving. That's the bottom line. Who are you serving at the end of the day? What is the avatar, the final seller? People need, need housing, either for rentals or for, for them to, to buy it. They move, there's debt in the family. So it's really an analysis. I, I am consciously investing in real estate and riding the wave because there are cycles and we do need to understand how those cycles work. And we are, we are in the United States. A cycle in one state might be completely different than others. So we really mm-hmm. need to understand the market before even analyzing a deal by itself. Yeah. I want to get into in a moment your advice for how to enter the real estate market as an investor in this moment, in this business cycle where we're seeing interest rates go up, inventory is not so abundant. But going back to what you said about real estate being tangible and one of the reasons some gravitate towards it more than other asset classes, I think also for your cohort, your audience of women who, as described in this article in the New York Times, some of them are coming to this from 
broken relationships, a loss of confidence because something happened in their lives. I think real estate gives you an opportunity to really immerse yourself and sink your teeth into a project. And there's got to be so much pride at the end of that because you've given it your all. And, and it's not like, you know, buying a share of Apple stock. You know, you're actually putting all this equity, sweat equity into it. I think that might be part of it. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just, no, I'm I completely agree with you. And I think that at the end of the day, you all, obviously you have a profit for the sale of that, that, that property in case you are, you are rehabbing it and selling it. But I believe that the most important thing is for them to get the confidence back yeah. that they are yes. able to accomplish something quote unquote on their own without having to, you know, ask for permission or really managing their projects. We always hear, oh, quote unquote, we are not good with numbers. Yes, we are. We need just to put an effort into learning how to manage our finances. And I think that once women really, after going through a project, they think, oh, that was not that bad, right? I managed different things in my household and I this was not that bad. And I can apply yeah. my skills that I've got from different careers into, into real estate. And at the end of the day, it's all about them gaining the confidence that they are able to accomplish whatever they believe that they want to and living life on their own terms. And this is something very yeah. important that we stand for. We don't want women to listen and say, oh, I need to sacrifice for years in order for me to earn the right to live life, a balanced life, whatever balance means to, to you. But we want women to create, how can you build your portfolio under your own terms? And yet, Andresa, as you know, um, and it was cited in the article that as confident as women can be, there is also gender bias that they have to combat. There are other people and other forces at play that don't think as highly of them as, say, a male real estate investor. And it shows up at all points in the process, whether you're you know, looking to buy a property, get financing, get tenants. There is a, a, a hurdle at every corner um, that has the, the label gender bias on it. And, and so what's your advice? Is there an example of how, to, you know, how you overcome that? Or is it just an ongoing reality that you have to reckon with? I think there's plenty of examples that we can share. Some of them are very conscious and others are subconscious because 1960, when women had, were allowed to have a bank account to own a property for the first time without having the permission from, from a man. So a lot of ways that we have been dealing with your finances come from generations, from our grandmothers and mothers that they didn't have to the opportunity that we currently have right now. Uh, a recent study done by Fidelity Investment in 2021 called Women in Investing have shown that women's portfolio performed better compared to men, 0.4%. That might seem very small, but it's a substantial difference when we think over time. The key here, when asked if they see themselves as investors, minority about less than 10% said, yes, I have confidence that I can invest. So the confident, then the question is, where do women get confidence? We were thought that we need to figure it out, that we need to think about ourselves. And, and I wish I had learned this 
prior, long time ago, that we need to leverage what we bring to the table and really find other people that are already doing what we are looking to do. So their experience become my experience, their resource become my resources and, and find a tribe. Years ago, my business partner and I, Liz, we were at a conference where there was zero, zero women on stage. The examples that we were hearing we couldn't relate to them. They were not for us. And we started asking ourselves, I started asking other, other women that I knew, why aren't you on stage? Why aren't you sharing that? And we had to have conversations with those organizers and really claim spots, claim equality, claim diversity until we start stop asking for permission and we created our own stage. Because it's just a matter of, I would like to hear other women's story. When we started our podcast where we interview successful women uh, in real estate, we, we, we heard, you guys going to run out of women to interview. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's not <laughs> the case. A lot of women are just under the radar. But yeah. we, need to, we need to talk more about it so other women can see that it is It is possible to invest, but consciously invest. We're not talking about kind of McDonald's, quick, quick, get rich type of deal. We're talking about generational wealth. And that requires a lot of women to do homework, to get the the foundation in terms of their finances, in their house finances, ready, the terminologies, and really get a, a basic understanding of how to manage their what they have currently have. Well, let's get into it, shall we? We have about, I don't know, 20 minutes or, or so here. would love to get your best practices. Also taking into consideration what's going on in the macroeconomics, which is, we talked a little bit about this, higher interest rates. The supply is not that great, depending on the market. And I think there's also this other force at play, which is that the market is now more and more being dominated by institutional buyers. So you're hearing about big companies coming in and just buying a block or, you know, buying a bunch of homes. And that dominance influences the price of the market and also your eligibility to participate as an individual investor. First, what do you see happening in the market right now that's important to take note of? And then going back to, okay, how do I do this? And and keeping in mind too that a lot of people in my audience they have a lot going on. You know, they're not already sitting on a lot of money. They're working, they have kids, they have a lot of stuff on their plate. They want to do this. So they want to know, how do I make time? How do I get money? What are the risks that I should know about ahead of time? Et cetera, et cetera. So I'll give you the floor again. This is all good, right? Uh, um, so here, here's what I would say. That's exactly what you were saying, that the financial institutions are coming in. And what I would recommend, there's so much social media pressure for people to get properties under contract. And and hear me out for all of you that are listening. i rather have no deal than a bad deal. So you got to stay under the pressure and really, really have successful criteria. What exactly you're looking for, you need to mitigate that. Because there's a lot of pressure that, you, oh, the, so-and-so just bought two, three properties. So-and-so just bought three properties. I haven't bought a property in six months. I need to get this deal done. If we pray and all the numbers work, then we're going to make a profit at the end. That does not work. So I really 
conscious people to take a step back and consider a couple of things, okay? If the market raises the interest rate, let's you, you can play worst-case scenario. You can nobody has a crystal ball, unfortunately. So we can, but we can run stress tests, and that's exactly what we do. We run stress tests with half a point up, a point up, or if the market tanks, can that property that I was looking to rehab and sell? How about now the value is not there? Can I rent out? So plan B, can I rent out? How would the numbers work if I have to hold that property for a couple of years? Will that cash flow? That Those are the stress tests that we use in order to determine, okay, worst case scenario, I'll still be okay. Or if I have to pivot, then that goes. But I would not, I will always have a cushion on when analyzing the market. And I always look for, Markets that have a high demand with great school districts that are always, families are always moving there. Far, far from the areas that are in transition and still need to, gentrification areas, they still need to, quote unquote, prove themselves, right? And I stay on that little um, sweet spot. It's not above half a million dollars. It's between 350 and half a million. That is a sweet yeah. spot that I believe that a lot of people can still afford. Above that, mm -hmm. then the pool gets very small. So I highly conscious people to analyze where you are at, the market that you're at. Going back to, to, to all the people that are asking themselves, I cannot even think about the possibility of adding, adding something else on my plate. Yes. Right? Because they are used to do everything by themselves. So I'll, I'll take a step back. And what Liz and I always say is, what is the lifestyle that you want to live? Take a minute to really define, close your eyes and think five years from now, what do you see as your lifestyle? Do you see you investing in real estate? Are you seeing actively or more passive side? Because many, many people can get a return by investing passively in, in real estate, not necessarily to swing a hammer. I, by the way, don't know how to swing a hammer, right? I know how to build properties, but no, know how to put something up. So take a step back and have a clear understanding of the lifestyle. What do you bring what to the What does passive investing in real estate mean, though? Is that like buying a REIT, a real estate investment trust? So, so for example, th there are different types of passive investments. I'll give you an example for syndications for apartment complexes. So the general partnership is responsible for finding the deal, underwriting, managing that deal. That That is active there. The uh, limited partners are folks that are looking to invest their money there for a, a return on their investment, but they don't have any say on the operations. They're very passive. They receive their money just for, for their investment. That's an example of um, um, passive investment. So not necessarily your day-to-day -day operations and figuring out the vacancy or how can you pivot and figure and find solutions for problems that might occur at a com uh, apartment complex, for example. But those folks, they do receive reports and clear communication about where things are going. So there's a business plan that needs to be fulfilled and there is responsibilities for that all based on SEC guidelines. That's that's that. So when I think about 
people that are looking to get started, you think about your lifestyle, think about your goals. Absolutely think about your family style, what you're looking to do. How much time, not just the funding that you have available, but how much time do you have available? And also like, do you enjoy real estate or is just a, another thing that you saw that, you know, my is giving return to you have to FOMO. <laughs> no, I would have the fear of missing out on real estate and investing because you see it on your Instagram. Andresa, I want to hear about the challenges, right? Because I think on Instagram, we see the before and the after. We see, oh, I bought this dilapidated house in Philadelphia for $90,000. I turned it into an, an, an oasis flipped it for 400,000 or I'm renting it out for, you know, mm-hmm. 2,000 a month, whatever, whatever the, the success story is, yeah. we don't see the wheeling and the dealing and the contract masses and, oh no, we have a pipe where we didn't think there was a pipe yeah. and I had to take time off work. What are some of the expectations people should have in terms of stress and time before they are enter any sort of real estate deal. Absolutely. I And I wish HGTV would show all the in-between that happens because it's it's a lot. We can write books and books yeah. about about it. And it doesn't really matter how much, how many years of experience you have. I always find something that I was like, I never came across this before. Of course, with experience, you are able to see things ahead of time. So I always say that I'm always working two two weeks ahead of time. At the beginning, Mm -hmm. unless it was really in front of my face, I couldn't see it because when you, you don't know what you don't know, you can see that. So for a lot of people, what I would recommend is that when you are looking to rehab a property, that you really network and find a partner that has experience with that. So meaning, let's say you have a W-2 job and you have family, you have other things going on, meaning you have little time to devote to that. And then you find another person that has the experience that you don't have it and have the time to manage the project. That's what I would say is the best way to gain experience in a way that you are mitigating your risk as you learn along the way. I've seen a lot of people trying to pursue the deal by themselves and they will pay for their mistakes. They will learn, hopefully they'll learn the the lessons, but unless it's in front of them, they're, they're not going to have cushions. And when the contractor comes with change orders, you don't know if that is too much, if that's reasonable, it, what right. to expect. So it's very challenging. And I'm seeing it. Contractors, many of them don't know how to manage their business. So they're really mm-hmm. taking money from here to, to uh, put There's in another no buffer. Pod. There's yeah. no buffer. And that's risky to me. You mentioned earlier, Andresa, that where you ultimately choose to buy property, the market is so important and doing a lot of front end research will pay off. Where are you seeing the opportunities right now? And are we in an opportune time to buy because we're seeing prices cool? Naturally, prices went bonkers in the last two years. And so you know it's just natural that things are going to shake out and some markets are going to pull back. 
Is this a good time to strike in certain markets that may have seen higher prices in the last two years? And what are those markets? Sure. Well, I am in the Philadelphia market, right? And what's happening right now, we're still seeing, I always say there is a market change, but there, there is a lack or a delay in the mindset change because a lot of the sellers that saw the neighbor's house being sued six months ago, they still believe that they can get the same amount for that. And it's too late now. Now they are seeing days on the market getting a little bit higher. There's still more negotiation, but the houses are no longer flying out there. So it really depends on what is the exit shot. Is it, is it rentals? Is it short-term rental, which I believe is, is, the, is a good... Airbnbs. Airbnbs, short-term rentals. And another one that I would say is midterm rentals for uh, travel nurses, for example, for executives, for example, they stay longer there. So I'm dealing with less people, but I'm still able to control uh, the, the rent there. So in, in a nutshell, I always believe there's opportunity everywhere. However, it's not like you're going to apply the same exit strategy in every single market. I understand the market that I am in and I can see the shifts and I have the guts to really stay still and only pull the trigger when I see the criteria that fits, a deal that fits my, my criteria. Other than that, I'm going to still observing. Always look for uh, single, not single families, for single families for short-term rentals, but multi-families for rentals. It's hard to say this, but it's going to get difficult for people to buy properties. So they're going to rent. And that's you see, what we're So looking. that's interesting. Let's sit on that for a second because yeah, it's 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 become so difficult to buy a home. And and so rent has gone up because there's more people looking to rent. And how long do you see that trend lasting? I do not have a, 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 crystal, a ball. crystal ball. And I wish we knew that. So we could plan ahead, right? And I think it's just like a, um, we're playing a game right now because also if we raise the, the rents too much, people are also not going to be able to afford that. So it's yeah. like, where, where, where we're going to end up here? So got to be a little conscious as a landlord. And, and that's something that we don't hear a lot in real estate, oh. right? It's Trust me, I've been telling that. <laughs> people say, what are you, what's your advice for news for people who, who can't afford rent? I said, I don't have any advice for renters, but I have advice for landlords. If you can, don't have to raise your rent by 30%, please, please don't. Yes. Just because yes. 10 people want to live in your apartment, you know what I mean? It's a home. It's not a, an avocado. Exactly, it's, it's a home. Right? Like, <laughs> we don't people hear need to that. live somewhere. Exactly. We, we don't hear that in real estate conferences. We always hear about how to increase your cash flow, your oh. cash on cash return. And I get that. I, 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 I get that. But when you're looking at a family, right? A family yeah. that cannot find a place for them to call home for their kids to go to school and have the peace of mind. That's what real estate investing is all about, providing a safe environment for, for I, I, I say women because I do care about that and I target women that are in transition is all, all of that, but providing a safe place for those families yeah. to come and stay as you build your portfolio. But I think it's just unethical to 
take advantage of what's going on right now and really skyrocket your rent because you know there's going to be a line of people there. But it's yeah. not sustainable. And I just think it's unethical. There's not nowhere to saying that that's unethical. It's just a, a personal opinion of mine. Yeah, we, we that sort of gets lost in the in the conversation about real estate investing. It is all about like, oh, ROI and run your numbers. And it, we, it gets very uh, impersonal very quickly. But remember, you know, at the end of the day, what are you providing? You're providing a home, yeah. not just a property, a home for someone. And I think it's much better to have a renter who can sustainably afford your rent and live there and ultimately feel like invested in that home and take care of it than someone who's coming, you know, switching up the renter every year because you can, you're going to get a better price. It's like to each their own, but I'm with you on this. Yeah. And I think that throughout the years, we have seen people saying, oh, I have those I have X amount of units or I cash flow this amount of money per month. They they use their numbers as a source of proving their success. And they're yeah. saying, this is how much I am worth. So I always say to, to women, you're not your numbers. You're not your number of doors. You have nothing to do that. Your, you, your worth does not change based on your real estate portfolio. And when we talk about this publicly in conferences, People look at us like, what are you talking about? This is what yeah. I do. But their identity is not that. And it goes back to the New York Times, right? We need to differentiate yeah. the identity. I see real estate as a tool for us to live life on our own terms. And to it's get- a means to an end. Exactly. And gives me the freedom of time for me to do whatever I want with the time. And that is my biggest asset, time. This has been so inspiring, Andresa, because I'm thinking to myself, I'm, I'm going to answer your question. What do I want to do in five years? And I love what I do. And I don't think I'm going to stop. But I think that I am so passionate about real estate. And I wonder if there's a if there's a life out there sooner than later, because I always say, oh, I'll retire and get my real estate license. But why not sooner? Why not sooner and start to slowly build a portfolio of homes Again, it's not where I'm going to source my sense of self-worth. Yes. Um, and this is not, I'm gonna, not going to gamble my nest egg on this. But just, you know, to I think this is the takeaway for everybody. Like if you're me and you're, you got a lot going on, but you do see a world, a future with this in your life, start slowly. Start educating yourself yes. is number one. Like this podcast has been so informative. I've learned a lot. And you have so many more offerings, which I'm going to link in our episode notes. But even just connecting to your community and and learning from others, making their mistakes your mistakes without having to go through them. And then, you know, striking when it feels right and then doing it again, but only when it when when the opportunity makes sense, uh, yes. as opposed to throwing the baby out with the bathwater saying, I quit my job and now it's real estate or bust. <laughs> oh gosh. I yes. can't afford that. I don't no. know who can afford And that. I also think that one more thing that I would say, right? We get into analysis paralysis with ourselves yes. and then we get stuck. And I really encourage all of you that once you do that, lean in. We have a Facebook group community with very successful women in real estate. And I wish I had that before. And I'm not saying this just to promote the event, the, 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 the group. I'm saying this because this is a place where you can go, you post your question there. 
It's a private group, only women. We want to make sure it's a safe place. You post your question there. And then women that have gone through that can give their honest opinion what it is. Because if we continue trying to figure out by ourselves, we're going to take longer and we're going to just quit on ourselves. So I encourage you to lean in on other women. You're not bothering. You're not doing anything. You are just flexing that muscle to request for support. And we have plenty of women there that is more than welcome. They welcome you to, to do that and more than happy to support you. Andresa Gadelli, thank you so much. Co-founder of the Real Estate Invest Her. Put all those links in our show notes, including your fabulous podcast, your Facebook group, your website. We appreciate you. Come back anytime. I, I really love this conversation. <laughs> and I, I really love <laughs> the, you know, I think that we need to talk more about it right? With yes. women and everything else. I'm always happy to talk about this. Listen, <laughs> I could talk forever about it. <laughs> Don't stop. You, you, please continue. Thank you so uh, much. Thank and you so much. I'm here to serve anything that I can do for all of you. Please reach out. Thanks so much to Andresa for joining us. All the links to her show, her Facebook group, her website in our episode notes. Thanks for tuning in. And I hope your day is so money. 